Shalom, everyone. On TikTok is where a lot of our young people are hanging out and getting the latest hip information, whether good or bad. And uh, just recently, I came across a pastor, a progressive pastor, I should say, um, called Brandon Robertson, who discussed how to worship God in spirit and truth. And he interprets Jesus's description of this. He describes worshiping God in spirit and truth as being flexible, ever moving, ever evolving and disembodied. Let's have a first hand listen to what he said and then let's discuss and look at what the Bible says regarding how to worship God in spirit and truth. Something I'm certainly extremely passionate about myself. So often Christians get into endless debates about who is right and who is wrong, who has access to more truth. Which creed is right? Which religion is right? Which way to worship God is correct? But Jesus actually confronted these kind of debates head on. In John chapter 4, Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. It's actually a little bit of a debate. Samaritans worshipped God over at Jacob's well, and Jews worshipped God on Temple Mount. And they had a lot of disagreements and divisions about which people were more faithful to the truth. And in the middle of this debate, Jesus drops a truth bomb. He says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus says, the time has come where those who are truly connected to God will worship God in spirit and in truth. Two different ways of worshiping that are both uncontainable. They can't be contained in a doctrine or in a church or in a set of beliefs. Spirit and truth are disembodied. They are flexible. They are ever moving, ever evolving. They cannot be locked into a temple, to a church, to a place, to a theological system or to a creed. Jesus says true worship of God is uncontainable, undefinable. Okay, so I I do not know this pastor. Um, and so let me just before I start say that what I'm about to say in this video is, is not going to be any form of an attack on his character and who he is or anything. Really, all we're doing here today is we're just going to discuss what the Bible says, because I'm not really interested in um, opinion of this or that. Let's just let's just open the Bible up and and just really see what did Jesus really mean when he talked about worshiping God in spirit and truth. Because okay, so this idea that is being opened up here by this pastor is that he is saying that worshiping God in spirit and truth is really opening is a revelation that Jesus brought us and is opening up worship to God to mean many more things than what the typical Christian would think. And this idea that this pastor is actually promoting right now is not something new. It's very prevalent. It's this growing notion that that how we worship God, is, God is not really con too concerned about that. Like, he, And if he is, it's he's very flexible, as he said. And I, as if I can quote him, he said, it's worship, how spirit and truth worship is, is ever moving, ever evolving, ever changing. How God wants to be worshiped changes all the time. Changes according to what? According to 
how people want to do it, right? How culture deems it fit, how whatever you want to see it, it is flexible. God is flexible in how he wants to be worshipped and how he wants a Christian to live and how how it looks to be a, a, a godly man or a god, godly woman. Because ultimately, worshipping God is with our lives, not just when you go stand with your hands up in a church, right? It's so, so this is really the, the idea that's being promoted here. But w- what does the Bible say about this idea? You see, in Psalm 119, 142, we read how it's written, your righteousness is righteous forever and your law is truth. Okay, so the psalmist is writing that the definition of truth, you want to define truth, right? Because this is what the pastor is doing here. He's defining truth as being flexible, ever moving, ever evolving, disembodied. But the psalmist says that God's law is truth. In other words, if I walk up to any judge, even today, and I I ask him, hey, is the truth flexible? Is the law flexible? Is the law of the land flexible? He would say, no, it's not flexible, right? The law is written down, and this is what it says, this is what it is. There's grace, but the law is what it is. Truth does not change. And so, in the same way, God's law has not changed, does not change. God, because if it did, God has to change. And so, we see that His law is truth. And, you know, the pastor went on to say that true worship cannot be locked into a temple, a church, or a theological system. And, and, and look, worshiping God as spirit and truth, I agree. It's so much more than what can happen within the walls of a church. It's so much more than what can even happen within the walls of a Levitical temple, because it's always been God's desire for it to be more than that. It's been His desire to make the temple, and you, make you the temple, and this is what worship and spirit and truth actually means, is that the, t- the temple system, the Levitical system that God gave us in the book of Leviticus, which is such a beautiful picture of what he, is, he desires to do with worship and spirit and truth, is that he wants you to be that temple, you to be a holy priest, you to be one who are offering spiritual sacrifices and you to become a living sacrifice to God. And... Think about it this way, all of the truths that were, if you look at the temple, uh, because remember this, this conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman is all about the temple. It's all about how, where the temple is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like and all that. And Jesus is saying there's coming a time when it won't be on this temple or that temple, this mountain, that mountain, whatever, but it's going to be in spirit and in truth. And see the spirit is not divorced from the truth. The spirit is not separate from the truth. This worshiping God in spirit is not this flowy thing that you do up and down, left and right, the way you want. The spirit hovered over the waters. And as he hovered over the waters in Genesis, he was waiting for the word, the truth of God to go forward and instruct. And when that happened, the spirit moved along and did things. The spirit always moves in tangent with the truth. And so now the Spirit of God comes into our temples that is built on the truth, the law of God, obedience to Father's instructions because we love Him. And the Spirit moves in and through these temples of ours as we are obedient to Him. So 
he, when we see, we see that yes, God, Jesus is talking about how worship in spirit and truth is not restricted to a temple or a church, but he is not saying it's however you want. It's still within the confines of how God defined worship. You see, in Deuteronomy 12, verse 4, God says, You shall not worship Yahweh your God in the way of the pagans, in the way of the world. You see, if this was a flexible thing on how we could worship God, if this could change, if this could be however you want, why would God say, don't do it in the way that the world tells you to do it? And if it's not in the way the world tells you to do it, in which way would it be then? In the way that the Bible defines it, in the way that God told us to. And so, see, by this, now we could see that, you know, for us to say that oh, it's not determined by a certain set of beliefs, how we should worship God, that's just ridiculous. Because God did define in his word the belief we ought to have about what worship ought to look like. Okay, before I uh, go on, let's... Uh, Let's listen further to what he says. God is spirit and cannot be defined by your finite words or your finite worship. Oh, that Christians would have this kind of humility. In John chapter 3, Jesus says, The spirit of God is like the wind. No one knows from where it comes or where it goes. And he says, So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Those of us who are truly seeking God, need to have that humility. The humility where we acknowledge God is not confined by our religious tradition. God isn't Christian. God isn't Jewish. God isn't Muslim. And you don't need to be any of those religions in order to have access to God because God is spirit. All right. Um, he, he, told, he brought up the verse about, you know, the wind blows where it wishes. And so it is with the one who is led by the spirit. Now, what's really interesting about that verse is I don't believe it really has anything to do with what he's talking about. Um, you know, John 3 verse 8, it says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with anyone who is born of the Spirit. This does not mean that you could do whatever you want if you're born by the Spirit, and you just go here, go there, and... God is okay with it, worship him however you want, and you could do, worship him as a Muslim, you could worship him as a Christian, you could worship him as a Jewish person, you could worship him in every uh, as a Buddhist or any other believer, God doesn't really care because you're born of the Spirit, and you, this whole idea is what he's, he's echoing, and that's not what that is about, that verse refers to how as the wind blows where it wishes, you can you don't know where it goes or comes from, but you hear its sound. That is how it is to be born of the Spirit. That refers to how when you are born of the Spirit, you yourself, like you do not know where the wind blows or comes from. You yourself know, you do not even know where you will be going to be tomorrow. You do not know anything. You do not know what is your future going to hold. And so it is to be born of the Spirit because the Spirit will lead you into places that are unexpected and you will find yourself in unexpected places. You will never be able to know what you're going to do tomorrow if you're actually born of the Spirit because you have live, given up your life to follow God's plans and not your own. You see, this is actually the opposite of what he is saying. The, the verse actually is saying that you are now a living sacrifice who are destined to walk after God's purposes and you follow what God is calling you to do. You see, this is not 
This is not saying that you can go and just do what you want and worship God the way you want as whatever religion you want. No, it's actually that the Spirit of God must lead you. And if we know the Spirit of God is leading us, we will know that He we are following His Word because the Spirit of God is not at enmity with the Word of God or the truth of God, which is ultimately His law, His instructions, His commandments, and how He defines sin. All right, so let's have a look at what He says further. And spirit is in all things, through all things, and for all things. Okay. Holy Spirit is in all things, through all things, and for all things. Okay. That's interesting. I I don't know if that's biblical, though. Romans 8 verse 7 says, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. For if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit does not belong to God. So he is clearly saying here that if you do not submit to God's law, Romans 8 verse 7, you, your mind is set on the flesh. And he then says, if your mind is set in the flesh, you cannot please God. So if you do not obey God's law, you cannot please God. And he goes on and says, you are then in the flesh and not in the spirit. And because you're not in the spirit, you cannot please God. So to say that God's spirit is in all things, through all things and for all things is not the truth because he the Bible tells us that God's spirit is not in all things because there are some who do not have a spirit and who cannot please God without his spirit. There are certainly um, things that his spirit is not for either. He says, this pastor said the spirit of God is for all things. That couldn't be further from the truth. There are many things the Spirit of God is not for. He is not for adultery. He is not for fornications. He is not for um, um, murder. He is not for lying, stealing, killing, destroying, dishonoring parents, or even breaking the Sabbath. The Holy Spirit is in line with the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and the rest of the Father's instructions. So to say the Spirit of God is for all things, that could not be further from the truth. It is a deception to say such a thing or to believe such a thing. And if you believe such a thing, you are entitled to that, but you then cannot call yourself a believer in the Bible because the Bible doesn't teach that. All right, let's have a listen further. If we're going to follow God and worship God in truth and in spirit, We should prepare for a spiritual journey that is ever winding, that can't be contained, that isn't straightforward. Those who have all the correct answers about God and life and salvation, they're the people, according to Jesus, who are furthest from God. It's those who are humble and curious. Those who have the answers about salvation and God and how to worship God are the furthest from God and you shouldn't listen to them. But I mean, if you're a pastor, surely, hopefully you would have the answer to how to get saved. Surely you would have the answer to how to worship God, how to, by his own definition, we shouldn't listen to him unless if he believes he has the answer to salvation. And you may say, well, PD, do you have the answer to salvation? Yes, I do, because I believe in the Bible. It's not some hidden secret thing. And Jesus never said that anyone who knows the answer to salvation doesn't know God or 
or furthest from God. Jesus told us clearly what the answer is to salvation, how to be saved. This, this is the principle, the main teaching of the gospel is how to get saved. So for someone to teach that, anyone who says that they know the answer is far from God is just, I'm sorry, it's ridiculous. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. You come through me to the Father, and whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. I know that because the Bible tells me so. That doesn't mean I'm furthest from God. It means I'm close to God if I know that. So I am confused by why he says such a thing as a pastor and a preacher of the gospel, if that is what he is setting out to do. Um, So, brothers and sisters, I guess, you know, what is really interesting to me is I, I think that we shouldn't be too shocked about what we're hearing here. Because ultimately, this is this teaching is simply a consequence of taking what Christianity and the mainstream Christianity has been teaching for a long time. If we're just taking an, uh, the, the principle of what has been taught for a long time and we extrapolate it and apply the logic to the furthest point, we will get to the same conclusions. And what I simply mean by that is that For a long time, mainstream Christianity has started to teach that the law of God is abolished or inapplicable, uh, not relevant to the life of any believer. And as we believe that and hold on to that, we are in effect doing away with how worship to God should look. Because see, if we're in this mindset where we can pick and choose what part of the Bible we like and want to believe and follow, what part of God, God's word is still applicable, what law is still for today, etc. What we start doing is we start picking and choosing and what stops someone else from just applying our logic to the fullest extent where they can now pick and choose what they want to follow and what they don't want to follow. What is a moral or ceremonial commandment as men have defined and categorize things and then ultimately to create a God in their own image that looks like them and has their preferences on how to worship him instead of what the Bible has clearly laid out as this is my truth. It does not change. It doesn't shift. It doesn't like this pastor have said um, become ever moving, flexible and ever evolving. So What I really would hope is that for Christianity to really take a second look at what is happening here, because this is only a consequence of really what has started slowly to creep into the church as this departure from the truth into this realm of worship God any way you want, pick and choose. God is okay with it. This is just not the teaching of the Bible. You could you everyone as anyone is entitled to believe that this pastor is entitled to believe that. But to say that this is what the Bible or Jesus has taught is just is just ridiculous because Jesus has only come to continue walking in his father's instructions and commandments. He taught others to do so. His disciples did so. And that never stopped, changed or got lost along the way, except for man who has done away with that by their own traditions and their own beliefs. So to just be straight to the point about all this. You want to know how to worship God? You want to know how to follow him? Look at the life of Jesus and imitate that. And anyone who tells you otherwise is deceiving you away from what Jesus has taught. Jesus didn't say, do what you want. He said, walk as I walk. Do as I do. Cast out demons, heal the sick. Do the miracles he did by the works of the Spirit, but also walk in the truth. 
Worship him in truth by keeping his commandments, having a standard of holiness on par with the gospel and consecration unto him. Guys, I hope this has blessed you. Let me know in the comments what you think. What does spirit and truth worship look like? What did God really call us to? And maybe like and share this video with your friends if you liked it. And um, I'll see you guys in the next one. Shalom.